The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. Okay, so true story. When I got married, I was oblivious to many things. And so if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But one in particular was sleeping habits. I was not, I did not understand that anybody had any different sleeping habits. I guess I was unaware when I was a kid, but I, I, I slowly became aware. Because here, So here's the deal. I remember when we first got married, um, you know, you're excited about being married for uh, obviously many reasons. But, but, but one is you just, you, I don't know if you see someone sleeping and you, 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 there is an actual like thought, emotion to how they sleep. And I remember looking at my wife and she, she slept so weird. And, and so I, I'm going to let, kind of let you into our life a little bit, but she loved very tight sheets, like tucked in tight, you know, like quarter off the bed. And so it was very weird for me because I'm not like that. So she'd tuck them in really, really tight. And then she would get in it and she really had, you had to like, it was like, you know, the toes are breaking because there's not enough, there's not enough room in the sheets for anything other. And so like, she, it's, it's like feet are sideways and it was so uncomfortable for me. I was like, ah, you know, and, and so I would watch her sleep and she would Sleep coffin esque. I mean, it would be. I mean, it was like Sleeping Beauty, but it, but it was more like you know. I mean, obviously, but but it was like the dead part. You know what I'm saying? And so I would look at her, and she would wake up, and 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 she would be like in the same position. And me, come on, I, I was free. Somebody, I was like, you know, my my body looked like a tent. You know what I'm saying? In Montessori school, butt was in the air, like I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? I'm. A, I'm like start one way, end another, hit in the middle, turning around. <sighs> I mean, I'm just like, I have to be all, I'm, I can't be hindered. And so she would be so frustrated at me because I would always mess up the sheets. And she would be like, why do you sleep so messy? And I was like, why do you sleep so lame? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I, I, my sleep looks like a party and hers looks like a cemetery. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I, and so we had this onward discussion about sleep. And so she could not go to bed without everything tucked in. And I could not go to bed with everything tucked in. I had to rip it up. So her half looked great and my half looked like, you know, a mess. And, I, and, and I'm sure that you're... Uh, sleeping habits are much more than mature than mine. Um, and, and some of you are like, my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, we, we just bonded. But, but I'll tell you that probably one of the reasons that I, I didn't like the way that um, she slept um, was because I felt limited. I, I felt confined. I felt restrained. And, and I don't know about you, and, but... And I think a lot of times in our relationships it, it, and in our life, whenever we get to the place where we feel confined or limited or restrained, it's a problem. And, and, and it's frustrating for us. And, and I'll tell you this, there were many times in Katie and I's life where we felt stuck, where we needed a breakthrough. Well, we needed something, God to do something in our lives, if it was in the area of finances or relationship or purpose or parenting, we came to a situation where we needed some help. 
and we didn't know how to move forward and it was heavy. I don't know if you've ever been in those moments of life where it's like, are you going to get the house or you're not going to get the house? Are you going to do this or you're not going to, are the kids going to have this or they're not going to have this? Am I, am my boss going to take, are we going to, is he going to give me that um, position or is he not going to give, and it gets heavy. And I want to talk about that idea. You know, I'll tell you this, that I believe that today um, I came to speak to your hearts and tell you that whatever you're facing right now, God has an answer for you, that you're not alone. And whatever situation that you're in, it's going to pass, and your current situation is only temporary, and breakthrough is coming. And that's what I want to talk about today, is that when breakthrough comes... I believe that there may be somebody here that is facing discouragement, battling thoughts like when and why and how, and, I, and, I, and maybe even the thought, I can't do this anymore. Today, let me tell you, refuse to give up. Allow the Spirit of God to, to, to encourage you this morning and build your faith. John chapter 5, verse 1 says this, and, and let's look at this. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. We're gonna, it's, a, it's a lengthy verse, but I think it talks about what it is that we want to discuss here today. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethsaida, having five porches... In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for, moving, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time to the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after stirring the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Come on, somebody, 38 years. Then Jesus saw him lying there, knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, and said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool, and when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, rise, take up your mat and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, is it the Sabbath? Is it not lawful for you to carry your bed? And he answered them, who made me well, said to me, take up your bed and walk. And then they asked him, who was the man that told you to take your bed and walk? We're almost done. Is that it? Take up your bed and walk. I want to walk through. I know that was a long verse, but the complexity of this passage deserves further investigation as we look at what happened here in this scenario. As we see Jesus is walking up to Jerusalem and he is about to, to head toward another feast. And, and just to break down what a feast is, he, in the first five books of the Bible, that's called the Torah. And so the five, first five books of the Bible are Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so basically what happens is in those books, we, God wanted the people that he freed to commemorate all that he had done. 
And so I want you to throw these parties and I want everybody to remember. I want the community to come out. I want us all to talk. I want us all to remember. And I want to keep on your mind how great I am. Right? And so Jesus is headed to go ahead and take care and be a part of one of these feasts. And as he does, it's amazing that as he comes through and begins to, to on the road to minister to the Lord. And I want to stop real quick. I know that there's a lot of us that are in different parts of this journey. Some just got saved. Others have been saved for a very long time. And can I tell you this? That all of your ministry proceeds out of how well you connect with the Father. Jesus was on the journey to connect with his Father. And he was about worshiping his Father. And he was about honoring his Father. And ministry always comes out of your pursuit for God, not any other way. You know, a lot of times we look at people's talents and their giftings and if they can sing well or they can play well or they can speak well, they're great orators, well then obviously they're gifted. But can I tell you that your gift for it to become something that really transforms a life has to be pursued, has to be given after you pursue God. After you pursue God. Jesus was on his way and he was wanting to connect with the Father. And while he is on his way connecting with the Father, there is impact made. Can I tell you that as you run further and closer, as you run towards the Lord, God will begin to heal not only you, but others that know you. That you will start to be a light. And Jesus understood that if I connect with the Father, there will be great ministry done through me. On his way, a miracle happened. Jesus was on his way to celebrate and commemorate the freedom that God did. But once he entered Jerusalem, he went to a place called Bethsaida, a place with a pool, and it had five porches in this particular place. This was a place of healing, yet so many sick and helpless and blind and useless and dependent people were there waiting around for breakthrough. Come on, if that don't sound like the church. See, I think the reason the world has a problem. There are two reasons. See, the world doesn't care about baby Jesus at Christmas because baby Jesus will always sell money. The world doesn't care about miracle Jesus because anytime you're going to give me something, I'll take it. But the world has a problem with a Savior Jesus because a Savior Jesus lets everybody know their sin. And that Jesus will always be crucified every single time. Because I'm not going to deal with my stuff. I'll take a free gift. Who doesn't like a baby in a manger? Come on, I'll sell that. You know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll take that. Isn't that cute? Isn't that sweet? But when you start talking about a Jesus that is a redeemer of all mankind and will cover your brokenness, well, see, now I'm exposed. And, and that Jesus will always have a hard time. But can I tell you this? I think the two things that the world has a problem with is that concept and people who are coming to church that never get their freedom. That never get their freedom. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this today. Because here's the thing. While I don't 
see in Scripture that God answers every little whim that we have, I do believe that transformation should take place in your life and there should be an onward moving agenda of God and the Holy Spirit moving in your life and there should be some things that you have overcome. There should be some things. Paul said, you guys... He was writing to the to 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 some, the church, and he was saying, "You guys are still on milk. I need you to move on. I need you to eat. We're still upset about this. We're still mad about this. We're still blocking people from Facebook. We're still mad. We're still offended. We still get yeah. Well, well, hold up. I need you as church members to grow and to mature a little bit, and I need you to break through in some areas, areas that have been holding you back, areas that have been hurting you. I need you to go." way to move through come on so that something can happen in your life because as soon as it happens in your life come on it will happen in other people's lives that's the that's the reality and so as we start to look at this Jesus is entering Bethsaida and and, and there's all of these sick people here can you imagine that scene sitting around the pool looking at the despair the hurt Seeing the need, what was the smell like when, when you walk in? You know, what, what was that? What was the atmosphere of the pool? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if they were playing, having a disco ball, <laughs> a glory ball, wherever you had. You know, I don't know if there was a party. I think everybody was sitting around, waiting, broken, desperate, hurrying, needy. As we put ourselves in that situation, what was the demeanor of the people there? How did they think about themselves? In what way did they feel like tomorrow would be better than today? How, what was the condition of their mind and their heart and their soul? Many times we find ourselves in situations where it seems bleak. You get a report that, that just rocks you or there's layoffs or you know, you get a call from the school. And before you know it, 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 it was going great and then it got real. You know what I'm saying? Car broke down. And, and I think it's in those moments that we need to understand that that's when we're looking around to see Jesus can do the things that are impossible. And Jesus has an answer for that in our lives. And Jesus is always at his best when we're at our worst. Jesus is all, that's why it's so funny how the devil manipulates us because we feel like when we are at our worst, we cannot be around church. Here's what I want you to see. There were a bunch of places that Jesus hung out, but where was he? He was around the broken. He was around the needy. He was around the ones that needed and could not do it themselves. And come on, the, the, I think the worst travesty in, 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 in our Christian culture of transformation is that somehow we lose our dependency because we understand theology and then we, we, we upgrade our thinking to just make me better. But Jesus said, I did not come for those that are healthy. I didn't come for those that don't need a doctor. I came for those that do. And if we could stay in a place of dependency where we're not broken, but we are still needy, come on. Yeah. 
our breakthrough will change. There are these individuals that are stuck, waiting, hindered, and waiting on a breakthrough. And can I tell you, have you ever felt stuck? I remember being 25 years old, wanting to get married, thinking about marriage. And I had so many issues. And at that point, I'm so far removed from that now. But I remember it being a real issue. Like all of my friends are getting married. Everybody's going on. I, 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 I wanted to and didn't want to get married. Uh, I, my dad had a very rough past. And there was a lot of hurt there. And so I knew I felt the burden. I needed breakthrough because I thought I was going to do the very thing he was going to do. And so I postponed, a lot, just, you know, just even thinking about it. Now, I, I wanted it if it happened. And I was kind of like this guy on a mat waiting. Then I met Katie and I'm like, okay, how you doing? And while she motivated me and perked my interest, there was still some healing and breakthrough that needed to happen in my life because I was convinced I was going to do the very things that, they, that he did. You know, I grew up in a very tumultuous home, a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling, a lot of fighting, and, and I didn't want that. I didn't want to raise somebody in that. And so I, here I was, I, I knew the word, I knew the desires, I wanted that. It was a desire of my heart, but yet, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but can I tell you that God wants to move you off your mat. Isaiah 54 verse 7 says this, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of those servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is from who? You need to read that. Don't miss it. It's from who? It's from the Lord, not from you, not from your good works, not from all the things that you do well. It's not because of your attendance. It's not because you're a gold star. It's not because your kid understands and gets four or five memory verses right. It's His righteousness is from Him. That's why it, it, it's very puzzling for me when we come and we grow up in church and there's this major disconnect from sinners. While I may not want to wallow and be in these problems, I want to love and bring people out. And I'm always looking to be a light to someone and encourage someone. And you know what? I'm trying to reach into this and pull something out. You know that God, because that's what God did in my life. Yeah. We've got to make sure that we stay in a place where we love people. We love people. I want to give you four steps to see breakthrough happen in your own life. Four steps to see breakthrough happen in your own life. The first is this. Know that you're not overlooked. You're not overlooked. Notice where Jesus did his greatest work. It was among the sick. It was among the ones that couldn't help themselves. 
Has anyone ever come to the end of their self and you thought, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where to go. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen next. Jesus wasn't intimidated by our issues. He wasn't intimidated by, well, I'm the son of God, man, I ain't going slumming. Stanky pool. I'll heal them, but they need to come on to me. I ain't, I'm not going to, no, no. I got an image to protect. You know, I got to, I got to protect my Twitter. I got to protect my Instagram. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't be in that air. Don't ever let the enemy lie to you and think that your issue, and we all got issues, that your issue is the thing that needs to keep you from God. Your issue is the thing that needs to be healed. It needs to be broken. It needs to be repented. And we need to move on because God has great things for you. The goal, in God, the goal for the Lord and you is not that you just become free, but it's free to do what? Why did God move the children of Israel out of captivity to freedom? So that they could create, come on somebody, Canaan. They could build something. They could build this city, this environment, this idea that God will supply all of my needs. God wasn't giving high fives just because people came out of the camp from Pharaoh. We did it. It's over. No. This was like the first saga in, in, in uh, Marvel's Avengers. You know what I'm saying? We're going somewhere. This was just Iron Man. We're going somewhere. We're way down the road. God brought them out to bring them in. All of the life and all of the kids and all of the culture that was going to be produced in the land of Canaan was brought about because there were some people that were free. And that's what we're talking about. Somebody, somebody in this situation dropped this man off. You don't get 38 years if you leave and come. Maybe this guy was forgotten. Maybe this guy was dropped off. Maybe he was abandoned, left, forsaken. And maybe in your own life, your dad left or your mom left or you're having this, this, this even now, 30 years down the road, you're having this inner turmoil or this inner struggle about who you are and, and the purpose in your life. And can I tell you this? That you are not overlooked. You are not overlooked. Jesus understands, and not only that, he sees you. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Come on. You're not overlooked. You're not sitting at the, at, 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 at the lesser table. You're not, you're not sitting over here in an area where no one really wants you. Come on, God doesn't run the kingdom like school. Well, all, all, all the people who have name brand get to sit over here. And all the people who, you know, shop at Walmart 
or where, you know, I remember I was so excited, I got, I got ruse one time, you remember ruse, and a pocket, come on. <laughs> I could only put one quarter in the pocket, but I did. People are like, hey, you got any change? I'm like, yeah, hold on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Excited. God doesn't move the kingdom like that. The second thing I want you to see is we have to invite Jesus into the problem. We have to invite Jesus into the problem. There was a dialogue that happened. Jesus did go and start the conversation, but the man could have shut him down. What you talking about? Why are you talking to me? Jesus' response was very, so uh, you want to be well? No, man, I'm just sitting here. I mean, I mean, it could have been very frustrated or arrogant or, or who are you? Or obviously, this man did not know who Jesus was. So it wasn't like, hey, I mean, why are you here? Are you going to push me into the water? I mean, what, what do you want? What's up with the question? You work for the IRS? Well, I mean, what's up, what's up, what you want? You government? The reality is this. When, when, when you feel like Heaven is trying to heal what's broken inside of you. You've got to invite Jesus into that problem. Come on, I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated over our mayor. I'm frustrated of where we're at. I'm stressed. I feel like my schedule is overpacked. I need, to, I need some help here. I'm responding really hard to my kids. I'm responding really hard to my job, my employment situation. I'm very frustrated. Whatever it is, we've got to invite Jesus into the problem because when he touches it, it'll break. It'll break. This man had to invite Jesus into a conversation that would ultimately reveal this man's heart. And so many times we come in and out of church and God never gets to connect with our heart. So we keep all of these issues dormant. In the conversation, here's what the man said. Well, you know, nobody's going to take me over there anymore. Every time I try to go, someone jump in front of me. I can't even walk. I just roll over there. Sometimes I, they got to save me from the shallow end. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, whatever the, the issue was, what I'm saying is as this guy begins to start talking, Jesus starts to see his doubt, his fear. If you had a real conversation with Jesus... What would that look like? What would that look like when it, when it comes to your, the big things in your life? Like what your family's going to look like, what, what, what your kids are going to do, how, how your finances are going to go, if you're going to get out of debt. Come on, real life issues. Because if we never take time to connect with Jesus, then he can never heal what the real issue is. And this man even though he was broke, and even though he was busted, he was authentic. I have nothing to hide. I've been on this mat for 38 years, and I'm just waiting for some help. I'm just waiting for someone to help me. Listen, the presence of Jesus will change every story. Come on, somebody. Invite Jesus into your problem. Many times we face our struggles alone. 
alone. And the devil's just kicking our tail as we're driving. And we think, oh, they're just thoughts. But you know what? The thoughts that are destroying you, you can't break out. You can't break free. Listen, the third thing that I want to tell you, the third step is there's always a choice. There's always a choice. Jesus would say repeatedly in the Gospels, he who has ears, let him hear. Faith, risk, obedience, forgiveness, all of these are a choice. And the longer you live by people who are defined by their issue, the more you lose interest in the vision of being free. 38 years, this man was not closer, any closer than when he first got there. 38 years. 38 years we've been talking about losing 10 pounds. 38 years we've been talking about getting out of debt. Come on, somebody. I know we're about to go there. 38 years we've been talking about changing our attitude. 38 years we've been talking about doing it different. 38 years we've been talking about talking a little nicer and being a little sweeter. I'm going to be sweet. I'm going to be sweeter. And 38 years we've been talking about changing our life. 38 years we've been talking about breaking that addiction. 38 years we've been talking about that. Are you any closer than you were when you first showed up? up thirty eight years can I tell you just because you're close doesn't mean you're where you need to be you got to be in the water you got to be in I don't want to tell you, you got to be in. I love that you come to church, and I want you to come to church because I believe that you'll hear something life-giving that will motivate you to be different. But really, I don't want you to hear it. I want, I want it to be planted in your spirit. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to grow. I want you to overcome every lie that was spoken over you, everything that was told to you, everything that was, that's hindering you. I want to see God do something in your life so that you can step up and begin to speak and preach and lead a life group. Join the dream team. Help somebody who comes in broken, busted, disgusted, can't, can't figure out life, and you're like, man, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. And it may take you some time. And you may not get it in an instant. You may not get it just in a prayer line. The prayer line may begin it, but you may have to walk through it. But I promise you, if you will put your hand to the plow and not turn back, great are the days in front of you. Great are the days in front of you. The fourth thing is that sometimes you've got to learn how to manage your mat. And I know that it's a very hard concept for, um, for some, some, some believers because they feel like God should remove all the mats. That, that if we really prayed and God really did the supernatural thing that he does, there would never be a mat ever. If, and, and here's the thing. is I, I want to talk about this because... As we look at this, in this moment, 
Jesus has a conversation with this man. This man lets him into his heart, into how he thinks. There is no, there is no disconnect. There is no facade. There is no fake. It is just real and raw, and here's who I am. And Jesus looks at that. He's not turned off by that. He ministers to that, and he gives this man a word to break free. Church, I believe God still heals. He still works in that capacity today. And the church is so confused on this issue because, I mean, in the 80s, in the 80s, we had people not going to the doctor because God was going to heal them. And they died. On the other side, we have people that don't pray about anything and, and feel like that is, a that is a closed compartment and God doesn't want to do that anymore. When the Bible is very clear that this is what God does. God is a restorer of things that are broken. That's what he does. The whole gospel message is you were going to hell, but he redeemed your life and he healed your soul so that you could be in heaven. That's the story. Now, as we look at this, as we look at this, it's, it's equally as bad on either side. To, to say that God saved us so that we would just be good. No, God saved you so that power would move through you. And that you would be free and God would be able to move through you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. The Bible says that he changes not. So let's look at a scripture verse that I already know. That, that it's going to be a, a scripture verse that's maybe hard to digest. But I just want to look at it inside of Scripture. Look at this. Mark chapter 16 verse 15. And I'm going to explain this because I know that this is a verse for either side. And, and Jesus said this. Go to all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Nobody has a problem with that. Okay, I just want to say that. Nobody has a problem with that line. Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, Karis Crazies. You know what I'm saying? We all love that line. We all believe that line. We all do missionary on that line. But it's like once we start getting down, okay, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. We, we like, well, no problem. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Uh, sort of kind of a problem there. But, but that's what he said. Go on. And these are the signs that will follow those that believe. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Now I want to walk through this. Now, before we start having people run the aisles and talk about finally, spirit break out. I just want to talk a little bit about this. This verse does not invite you to get all of your friends, buy some snakes, and say, y'all, jump in, we about to roll up in this piece. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to be dead. It does not say go get a bunch of strychnine and feed it to all your family to prove the word is true. You're going to be dead. 
But that's how it was interpreted in the 80s. And so, okay, we're going to, but, 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 but I want to just talk about this a little bit. We have to deal with the fact that every one of the disciples but one died a martyr's death. And so while we want to be over here on this camp where, woo, nothing affects us. All the disciples died. That's true that they probably did not drink poison, but their heads were cut off. Okay? <laughs> yearly, yearly, 105,000 people who profess Christ die because of their commitment to Christ. Every year. I want to read you a story real quick. Harold Nichols and Randy. Hensel died as they were exalting Christ. Hensel's body was found face down with his hands bound with uh, a piece of cloth over him that was his shirt. One of his motor motorcycles was seen up the road with his head bashed in. The men of God had been making missionary trips to Jamaica for 14 years. And when um, they were known for their home Bible studies, outreach to children, and building homes for indigenous people. The motive of the violent murder is unyet known, but still the work moves forward. See, now here's the, here's the issue. Is that just because there are moments where we face affliction does not mean that we don't pray for people, that we don't believe that God will heal, that we don't believe the word of God. And even in my own life, there's been times when I've gone to missionary places, the third world countries, and I have seen people possessed. I've seen that. We've prayed for people, and I've seen people healed. But... Even in my own life, I, I, I had learning disabilities. I graduated high school a couple months from 20. It was hard. You, you have no idea how hard the learning disabilities were. And I prayed, prayed, God, get, make me smart. Make me like my wife. God, I don't have to have a 4.0. I just need a 3.7, God. And then to have a son... That had the very same things. And I felt like I was living it all over again. I'm like, man, this dude doesn't know his B's and D's. And, and, I, and he's asking me, and I don't know either. Dang. <laughs> and I can't tell you how hard we prayed. I mean, to the point where it was, it was, I, it was tearful. It was broke. I, my heart was breaking because I was like, man, we, I broke generational curses. I, I broke these things in my life. God was going to do something. And to be up at night and reading and writing and, for, and, and to know that struggle and now to know that he's, he is working through that. But can I tell you this? That does not discourage me because Jesus didn't say burn your mat. He said carry it. 
There are some things that you will be supernaturally healed and restored and God will do it. And I believe that. But there will be some mats that you carry and listen, you can lay on it or you can carry it. But I'm telling you that this man was free to not be a victim anymore. And this mat was underneath him. And what used to carry him, he began to carry. And so, yeah, if you start asking me geography questions, I'm probably not going to know. But in that, I've written two books that have both sold over 6,000 copies. My mat has not changed. I just carry it. And there may be some things that are going on in your life that you're thinking, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. And why has God not changed my, I wanted to be so loving. Come on, every time someone talks to me, how are you? I just wanted to exude love all the time. I never wanted to be frustrated ever. Paul had these things and he would pray, God, Remove these thorns from my flesh. But they were there to buffet him, to keep him humble. Come on, somebody. And I guarantee you, every time I start getting a little big-headed, my wife asks me to spell and. Every time I start thinking, Oh, I'm so blinded, I'm telling you, woo! Hey, Stephen, write a sentence. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, she doesn't do that. Some of y'all are like, she's so mean. She seems so nice. I see. I see you. We pray for people. We believe that they'll be healed. We stand on the word of God. We believe the word of God. But we don't get frustrated and back off and quit when the mat won't disappear. What happened with David and Goliath? If that had been now, a bunch of charismatic churches, boy, they would have been praying that the giant just disappear. Yet God said, go put a rock in it and go kill that dude. You know what I'm saying? Well, in Jesus' name, just, just take him, Lord. Just take him. Just take him. No. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the reality is, there are some things that God has us deal with and it produces character in our lives. It produces character in our lives. Listen, either side of these issues will leave you hurt and broken. Does God heal today? Absolutely. Does he move? Absolutely. In supernatural ways and they're supernatural so you, can't, you cannot um, measure them by your own intellect. But will you have to deal with some stuff? Holla. You will. Will you have to carry a few mats? Absolutely. But they're your victories. Hey, what's that under your arm? Where I used to be. Hey, what's that under your arm? <laughs> Let me tell you. Sit down. Let me talk to you about what God can do. That God can take a nobody and make them a somebody. Come on, somebody. And then when they're a somebody, they don't boast of themselves because they know that it wasn't them that did it, but it was God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, church. 
when breakthrough happens, we get moving. Let's get moving. As a church, let's get moving. Of course, the enemy wants you on your mat. He wants you to watch life go by and miss it and blame somebody that you're not where you want to be. Are you feeling like you're missing out? Can I tell you that God has an awesome plan for you? Can I tell you one more thing? Be careful who you sit by. Because I'm telling you, the more you congregate with the sick, the more it affects you. Going to minister to the sick is different than living there. Refuse to do life with people who are permanent waiters. All you want to do is wait. Watch people. Look around. Who are you hanging out with? Do they tend to gossip and fault fine and be offended? Come on. Are, 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 are you hanging out and sitting around the pool? And ain't nobody swimming. <laughs> Be careful that the people you're around are moving you toward life, are speaking the word of God in your life, are believing that what is current is, doesn't have to be there forever. That things can break. That, that marriages can be restored. That kids can come back and know Jesus. Come on, don't hang around the people that sit by the pool waiting for something to happen. Break free. When breakthrough comes, come on, you're not the same. The name of Bethsaida meant house of mercy. Come on. I believe that breakthrough in your life is right around the corner. And today, what we need is to be free. What stronghold has lied to you and kept you on your mat? What pressure is holding you down? What sin is crippling you? Is it pride, sir? Is it pride? Is it offense? Is it rejection? When you break through... Freedom happens. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit ministers to you today and fills up your faith. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on. They should mount up like wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. And they will walk and not faint. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at The House underscore NWA.